0: As we all know, 2020 has been a year of unprecedented challenges for the hospitality industry and for the myriad talented men and women working in it. We've teamed up with our friends at Bullock Bourbon to present a special series of Life Behind Bars dedicated to this issue.
1: We'll be talking to bartenders across the country about what they've gone through during this pandemic and what they see for the future. Bourbon to his whole coronavirus crisis has helped support the hospitality industry. And they've recently announced a new Bullet Frontier Fund with an initial donation of $250,000, which they'll be using to support North American hospitality workers. And in conjunction with that, they're also launching a new social program called Bullet Bar Skills, which will feature a range of cocktail videos made by bartenders up on their Instagram page and will be available for home bartenders to watch and improve their skills. And hopefully all these programs and our podcasts will help bartenders across the country come back stronger and better once the coronavirus is finished. Cheers. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars, What I've Learned, our special edition mini-series. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast half-full editor. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Longrich. How are you, Dave?
0: I'm good. How are you, Noah?
1: Good, good. We have a very interesting discussion this episode with... a, oh, a really stellar
0: lineup of bartenders.
1: Very stellar. Yeah, uh, um, you know, yeah, some of the uh, best bar operators in the business. We have uh, Ryan Fitzgerald from San Francisco, Anu Api from Seattle, and Derek Brown from D.C. And we're talking about an issue that's always been important in our business, but really has come to the forefront during the last six months or so during the pandemic and, and of the question of staffing and restaffing both during the pandemic and afterwards and how everything that we've gone through will affect that.
0: Yes, it's complicated. These people have been employers for a very long time, and uh, kind of pillars of their community. So uh, this should be interesting and and lively.
1: Absolutely. Without further ado, welcome more panel. Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate hey, nice
0: it. to uh, nice to see you all or hear your voices anyway.
1: As good as we can get for twenty twenty, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> lot of interesting things happening because of obviously the pandemic and how it's changed um the, the bar business and and for for you folks for pivot what you're doing and today if you know we could talk a little bit about staffing issues your bar has been open basically for most of the pandemic or have they closed you know for parts and then had to
2: reopen for us in san francisco we got lucky with a we had some construction that needed to be done, earthquake retrof- retrofit. So we were closed for most of the months. But I think had that not been the case, we would have been closed anyway, just to try to see how the to-go thing worked, how long this was going to last, and try to kind of watch and see what other people did and kind of enter cautiously. So we just, we've just we only been open four weeks now for to-go, or we're in our fourth week.
1: How about you, Anu, and, and Derek?
2: Yeah,
3: in Washington, D.C., the mayor uh, kind of caught on quickly, and we did to-go cocktails sort of just a few weeks after um, closing. So we started with that right away. Um, And so we've had that going uh, ever since. And in the last month, we've been able to open up patio space and outside.
4: We we closed all of our locations here in Seattle for... About two weeks, and then one of our bars that was the easiest to transition into to-go cocktails. It's a tropical focus bar, so not only did not only were the to-go kits e- when I say easy, I mean just more creative and more appealing to people. Um, but we had we were sitting on so much fresh fresh produce and juice that it was kind of a uh, you know a fight response. Like let's let's sell everything that we possibly can right now in case we aren't able to even do to-go. Right. So, yeah, we started the to-go process and take out pretty early.
1: Was it hard to get um, your staff to, you know, come back, you know, or, or to, to work through throughout most of the pandemic?
4: Well, what I've learned is that with the takeout kits, it doesn't take a lot of people. Right. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty bare bones. And um, at first it was just, my uh, Chris Elford going in there and, uh, you know, my business partner just kind of doing the bulk of everything. One of our chefs came back and our managers and that was enough to um, get everything going. The good thing is that we've been doing everything online with a 24 hour order process with pickup during specific times so we can be real well prepared for service. Yeah. So one person can pick up all those orders, prep everything the day before or that morning, and then just hand them out.
0: And how many people did you have before at that location?
4: Um, 15. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: have yeah. a for you, Ryan in San Francisco?
2: We had uh 30 employees when we closed. Um, cause we have a full kitchen that was fully staffed and you know, we were open two to two and the kitchen was open till 1am all the time. So, but now it's, uh myself and my two partners and our two chefs and one bartender doing this whole thing and to be frank i mean we could potentially have a deeper menu food wise or um less work if and 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 actually bring some people potentially back i mean i know we'll get into it at some point but the undocumented workers are the ones that we'd really want to bring back more than anyone but at the same time it just doesn't seem safe to I mean the 6 of us as a pod as we're calling it you know we don't my my chef just had a baby girl um right before this whole thing went down um my partners are in their 50s and yeah they're yeah. all everyone's really concerned about safety so we don't yeah. really we're concerned about bringing anyone else into this
1: when well, and, and for you Derek in in DC is it could you talk a little bit about sort of, uh, your your current staffing
3: that's about right for us. We were four people when we started with the to-go cocktails, and 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 yeah, and that way it was pretty easy. I mean, you don't need a lot of people, and we were able to, you know, keep it to a small pod, to a small group, um, who were just going back and forth between home and the workplace. So there, it was pretty safe. Um, but as we expanded to go, and we saw more orders coming in, we had to kind of ramp up. We also did a Pop up which you know we're a cocktail bar, obviously, and um, we had some food, but we kind of switched it so that we were doing more food a sandwich based concept with cocktails, so we needed to bring some people into the back into the kitchen mm-hmm. um, and so overall we we were running with four people for a few months um, with the onset of the payroll protection program and that money coming in um, and the fact that we knew that we were going to be opening shortly because we knew phase two was coming in Washington, D.C., we were able to hire back up to 14 people, and that's where we are now. out of how many originally? 17. Okay, so so close. Yeah. And let me be clear. I say 14 right now, but we're kind of, now that that, as they say, PPP money, the payroll protection program, money is running out, we've had to cut back a couple people again. So we went up to 14, we'll probably go down uh, two positions and then make some part-time. It's really been kind of like month by month figuring this out, which is really hard to do. I mean, you don't want to put anybody in that position where you are hiring them, then unhiring them, then hoping to hire them back. I mean, it must be maddening for them. It's certainly maddening for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I, and I know the PPP money had to be spent by the end of june right so i mean that also
4: they actually uh they extended it to 24 weeks so okay um okay. for instance we have until mid-october to spend our money so there's it's there's constantly changes Certainly, yeah it helps and also are they going to change it again right. i don't know <laughs> 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 But
2: hopefully they will change it again because as a i mean we could have been open this whole time i guess as six people or at, without the construction and but we're, we're nowhere near even, and we delivery will start in a, in a week or so for us and we'll see how that goes. But even if that happens, I, there's no, I don't, I can't imagine there's any way we would get even close to doing this um, in a safe manner. I, we're not, I mean, we're not really near phase two in San Francisco. There's mm-hmm. outdoor dining, but it's, I mean, it's a joke. We walk past these outdoor dining places and no one's wearing masks and the servers are policing the guests and it's a, it's in total antithesis to what we do for a living. And uh,
1: yeah.
2: it's just, doesn't seem safe and it doesn't yeah. seem like a move that w- none of us are going to, we have no interest in, in actually serving people outside. Um, and I don't know. It's, it seems to be this tough decision that people have to make. I've seen people in you know Vegas, people are opening their, their restaurants at a time when it doesn't seem safe to open them, but it's because people have to.
4: Oh,
0: it seems like, you're really kind of uh, almost mortg- mortgaging your life against the uh, right. behavior of your customers, which seems, yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems definitely a little rough. rough.
4: <laughs> we can have indoor dining at a specific capacity now in Seattle, but we've chosen not to open our indoor spaces because we just don't feel it's safe. Um, and our staff is on board with that. Everyone understands. We're doing contact tracing, so everyone gets tempt and. Uh, information's written down and we've we've only had a few people leave because of that and you know that's okay with us hmm. frankly that's,
3: that's the same in in DC at our bar basically you know we are able to open inside we have not opened inside because um, we have a nice patio setting and it was already set up honestly at a pretty good social distance we only we have 24 seats Actually, we had 26 seats. We took two out. We have 24, and it allows the social distancing. But when people walk in, it looks like a medical ward. You know, we have to, like, mm-hmm. take temperatures right down everywhere they go. Um, we have um, all of the, you know, hand sanitizer machines everywhere. And, uh, you and, and can you use laptops? Yeah, I think we should, and it probably would make it look cooler, too, in a way. Um <laughs> But but yeah, going, taking those extraordinary precautions, and uh, D.C. is is one, I guess, not lucky. Nobody's lucky, right? But, but we've been pretty um, good. It's, you know, the cases go between about 30 and 70 cases. It kind of um, fluctuates, but uh, daily, and, but overall, it's, a pretty, it's pretty safe, I guess, to be outside. To go inside, I think, requires a, another leap of faith that we're, yeah. we're not ready for that yet.
1: Well, I imagine also a lot of those measures not only make your customers feel more comfortable, but also your staffs too. You know, people come to you and sort of basically said like, look, I'll come back. But like, we've got to only do outside dining or, you know, I'm not going to work inside or I won't, you know, I'll work in the back of the house, but I don't want to serve.
3: You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely had that. And um, we set this kind of idea from the beginning that whatever our staff has to go through, the guest the customer has to go through too, right? We weren't going to have two sets of standards where the staff has to get their temperature taken and contact tracing, but the guests kind of get to walk in and do what they what they want I mean both lives are important, and that does seem to get mixed uh, missed in some of the uh, the openings that are happening mm-hmm. uh, but we've sat down with our staff too and had meetings to talk about you know what makes them feel more safe. Uh, what is a good practice? I'm not a doctor, you know. I'm not like I don't know how to do this, so I need all the input that I can get. And and part of that is reading articles, obviously, but part of that is sharing information. And and we've had um, our staff give us suggestions that we've taken on, and it's made us safer and better. And so you know, where before we might have had this real top-down model, um, now I feel much more that we have to include our staff. Maybe we should have all along, but even more so now.
1: Did sort of vary by position? Like, you know, who wanted to come back? Like, were, you know, chefs, you know, more willing to come back early or bartenders, servers, or, or did it not really
3: matter?
4: You know, I think everybody really was getting a little stir-crazy at home and wanted to come back as soon as we asked them. We intentionally did not bring back our chef for a while because he is immunocompromised. Okay. Um, and so we we had zoom calls with him and started getting him working from home on costing and creative ideas as much as possible. Um, But he's back now. And, you know, after we made sure that everything could be extremely safe, um, you know, the hardest thing for us is we had two employees move to Seattle to work with us two weeks before we had to close. And yeah. And so not only are they, you know have just had these huge expenses mm-hmm. for moving but they're they've been having a really difficult time with unemployment and as uh yeah,
0: and they don't have uh, networks there either
4: exactly exactly so um we were trying to you know just get everyone who wanted to come back back as soon as possible but unfortunately we in no way can hire back to full capacity so we uh you know, we're trying to get creative with our, our funds and just support the, the team, the family, even if they're not currently working.
3: Everybody kind of started to move around positions. We found just how versatile our staff was. Our beverage director became our chef. Our uh, chef became our delivery driver. Everybody kind of started to fill in these new positions based on the fact that we kind of changed uh, to, to a new situation with the pop-up, but also because people felt, you know different degrees of how they could participate, and and you know what they felt you know was going to be their best um, way to support us. Um, so so it was really funny how that worked, is everybody just kind of started switching around jobs a little bit and doing something differently because we're not just building cocktails, right? Um, we're bottling cocktails. We have to have somebody doing fulfillment and checking the orders. Uh, we have to have somebody doing delivery because we're not going to do those god awful delivery apps. So it's interesting how people just kind of moved around.
0: I mean, that's the essence of bartending, isn't it? Is to be flexible, Oh yeah. you know? I mean, you never know what the night's going to throw at you yep. and you have to yep. handle everything. So, <laughs> I mean, in a way, I can't think of people better adapted for, for situations like this.
4: Exactly.
2: I'm basically a graphic designer now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Website design, um, taking pictures of food and cocktails and realizing, boy, I'm really need to learn how to do this doing making labels and and man it's just it's literally all i do is that and pos i'm like the it guy slash graphic design guy um not at all what my career was supposed to be but here we are
4: yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: a year for that you know it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out you know in future years when you know i God willing, we get back to some normalcy. You're you have all you know. Everybody, I think, will have all these new skill sets, and it'll be interesting to see how they're used. You know, to um, you know, once life gets back to normal.
4: Kind of what David said is that as bar owners, we've for a long time been sort of dabbling in all of these things. You know, sort of doing social media, a little bit of graphic design, knowing how the POS works. Like, if anything, I think bar owners and bar managers in our industry were better suited for extreme pivots in business models than a lot of industries out there. We just had to, you know, realize it and just Mm -hmm. be like, you know, I mean, I think we all did. I think all of us collectively were like, we got this. (laughs) It's just the landlords we needed help with right now, really.
2: Yeah. Interestingly, it's actually been the first time I've been able to bartend in five years as well. So yeah.
0: now uh, what's the craziest hidden skill you've discovered in one of your employees uh, or one of your staff, anybody?
2: Our chef
3: turned out to be an excellent um, navigator in terms of multiple delivery points, right? Because (laughs) when we were looking at how to deliver it, we were thinking, okay, how how are we going to do this? And he was like, I got this. And he started kind of mapping it out. At first, he used some kind of like software to do it and then just tossed that aside and was able to create this really efficient system to drop off.
0: I mean, that's a classic mathematics problem, (laughs) you know, Uh, read about that in textbooks is like you know I've got to go between all these different points and <laughs> what's the what's uh, that's that's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> doing like uh, mis- I would have
3: <laughs> never been able to do that myself <laughs> I, I just don't have that skill set that's why they parked me behind a bar or a computer because yeah. trying to find um, directions around isn't going to work
2: i i discovered that my my business partner is really good at chalk writing chalk special. Oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> oh, that is a real specialty. <laughs> awesome. he, he,
2: yeah, he, he found passion and, and got he even got some colored chalk and uh, really, really went for it. So that's nice.
4: That's awesome. That's amazing. Another crazy thing that happened with our company is for what my smaller, just classic cocktail bar, the day that we had to close March 16th was also the day I promoted one of my bartenders to be GM. <laughs> okay. So, I think uh I really just saw how somebody could get promoted to one of the toughest jobs in the world during the toughest time in the world and just um muscle through it and he's he's doing great. Also, I just don't really know how to train him <laughs> right now. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Using what textbook, you know? Using yeah. what playbook.
3: <laughs> well, that's a little bit about what I was getting at too with the uh, um the staff being more involved in decisions and less of a top-down kind of organization uh, because ultimately there's nobody who really has the answers to this and you're not doing what you traditionally do. Mm-hmm. Um, if it involves making cocktails, it's not a la minute. Now it's, you know, bottling it up and trying to find the best pricing on bottles and um, how you do the labels uh, and, and all of that stuff. So, so really I needed more input from my staff and they delivered it. And as, as such, we've become a much more cohesive team, um, but we've ultimately become better for more group decisions.
1: That's really yeah. interesting. Do you think that you'll change your staffing structures, you know, once we get back to normal? Like, you know, has this experience made you rethink organizations or like, this sounds very bureaucratic, but you're the hierarchies, you know, of, of, of your different um, companies, uh, you know, will this? change the way that you you view
3: staffing. For me 100%. I mean we started to expand the tip model so that it includes everybody in the house. That was the first thing we want to keep that. We've cut down to 4 days instead of everybody working 6 or 7 days a week or whatever the hell we used to work. It, we were like we're just going to be open 4 days. That's it. You know, people have to have a life. So we really started to look more at the quality of life for ourselves for our staff. Um, you know, I think our bar started as like a passion project, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was about me and the Derek Brown and this bartender who's coming up with these great ideas or whatever. Um, And now I don't really feel that way at all. I feel it's, you know, we have to, I have to give more back to my staff and, you know, we have to change our model to reflect that. So I don't think it's going to change back. I think it's permanent for us.
2: Happy to say that our, I think our model was pretty similar to what that was we were quite quite bureaucratic in everything that we did and I mean we even had we know we had the really the the bartenders that worked the floor I mean that was always our goal from the beginning was having no actual servers but just bartenders that were servers and and I think that we always loved that and it really brought the team into that idea of bureaucracy and when it came to cocktail creation, I mean, our Wednesday labs, we had a great thing like that. So I don't, I love it. And I, I'm, it's such a, I'm all any, I try to talk about it, not like patting ourselves on the back, but more like everyone should do this. Cause it just, it's, it's so inspiring to, you know, we all, my partners and I always say our favorite time was Wednesday at one o'clock when the team would voluntarily show up to talk about cocktails for an hour before we opened up and we would work through things and have everyone present their own things. Um, so Hopefully, we can keep doing that going forward. I hope that people are still living in these cities. Um, we've lo- we know we two, two bartenders that were working for us have already moved away. Um, one bar back is living in another living in Colorado now and um, may or may not come back. Um, all our, our undocumented guys, I mean, I don't even know what how they can how they're even making, even getting by at all at the moment. Um, I mean, we've definitely helped, done what we can to help them out, but people are leaving our city in on mass. And I hope that we can actually staff the place once we get yeah. back to normal.
1: Is that a fear for you on to, in, in Seattle or,
4: um, you know, I wonder though, Ryan, where people, I feel like people have been leaving San Francisco for a while. And this just sort of intensified that, maybe.
2: Kind of, yeah. I mean, it was it was difficult to hire before this, you know, for a, a restaurant that wanted to serve food until one in the morning. We wonder why no one does it, but our our uh, our uh, public transportation is notoriously awful, and that you can't get mm-hmm. out of the city on a subway after midnight. Um, you just you have to take a Uber or a bus, which neither of those things yeah, are no. ideal for people. So that made it hard for us to hire chefs that, you know, couldn't afford to live in the city even though we were paying them, you know, twenty dollars an hour or more to be our chefs. I mean, what
0: we're seeing in New York is, is a lot of people moving out of New York too. And I think that's bring back yeah. it's gonna bring down some uh some real estate prices as well though. So you know, it might be more, more a more livable city if if a little bit less uh uh on the go. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm very curious, let's say.
4: Yeah, me too. See, I don't, I, um, I haven't heard of anybody leaving Seattle yet. Uh, Actually, that's not true. I've heard of a couple of people moving, but nobody from our company or that works for us has left Seattle. Um, I do think Seattle was so saturated with, bars and restaurants previously that it was hard to hire for many reasons one being the same reason as what ryan said public transportation late at night is not great um and then rent is just insane but i think that and the saturation of restaurants and bars so i think that all of those things are going to change and uh we'll see you know we're gonna we're gonna hang on but um when we opened up our newest bar our tropical bar we took a page from ryan actually everyone that works there is a bartender, everyone that works front of house, um, which makes it, you know, exactly what Ryan said. It's just, we really, really have loved that model. But one thing that we have been talking about for a while because of the increase in labor costs um, and then the pandemic just driving home the thought of we just need to have counter service. I don't know if we'll be able to have table service in that space when all this is said and done. So that'll drop, you know, on busy nights, we have to have five people there. There's no, No way it can be handled with table service without five. But if we don't do table service, it's walk up, we can have two to three.
1: It's also hard to kind of project what people will feel safe doing, right? I mean, I think a lot of folks seem safe now with anything. Like if you told them tomorrow that they could eat inside of a restaurant, you know, next to somebody six inches away, they would totally do it. Some of them would without work. (laughs) Yeah, some of them would totally no mask, no gloves, no care in the world, right? I think a lot of Hopefully more people than that are, are, are worried. And I think it will still take time even after we have a vaccine or or other measures for people to feel comfortable again, being in bars and restaurants. So, uh, you know, that also could affect, you know, uh, you know, how many, you know, what type of seating you have, what type of staff, Mm -hmm. what kind of situation Too, I mean, is that figuring into your, into your plans for the future?
3: Just to clarify, we did have a model like a new and fits where all the bartenders were were doing everything except back of the house and cleaning and stuff like that. Well, they did the bar cleaning, but not like in the morning thorough cleaning. But that's kind of what I was talking about. We expanded to all, everybody, even the like day cleaner gets a percentage of the pot. um, And that's how we kind of brought them in. But in terms of the service model, we uh, have everyone order everything online so bartenders really at this point are just kind of bringing people stuff that they've already ordered and it's all online they pay online we tell them from the beginning we're going to touch your table as little as possible which obviously is like the exact opposite of what we were trained to do right. not that we we're yeah. like hovering over a table but um you're supposed to go there and check in and make sure everything's all right we kind of walk up and we're like keep your masks on and we'll see you whenever, okay? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Here, drink this.
1: Slowly, because I'm yeah. not coming back to refill your yeah, water. <laughs> just
3: dirty stuff on the table, live with it. Yeah. Like, we're not going to come just pick it up and get it from you, you know?
1: Right, what a luxury that seems like. Oh, oh, you want me to pick up the dirty napkin? No, like we'll get it in an hour. It's fine.
2: Let it be. It is literally counter one hundred percent counter to what we all do.
1: <laughs> and that's what and that's what the guests want though, because like if you hover, they will be like, Oh my god, like this guy was at my table all the time. Like this mm-hmm. is like this isn't cool. Like where now people, you know, it's totally flipped on its head from uh, diners' expectations or, or your customers' expectations. You
0: know, maybe you could invest in one of those deep sea diver suits <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a big with the big hat helmet. <laughs>
3: And I think everybody would take
1: full, full hazmat. It yeah. would work for a dive bar. <laughs> thing,
3: sure. oh. I guess some people are doing that. They're putting like these, you know, like uh whole plastic cones over seats and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's I don't know. It for, seems crazy, it, but, but who knows? Maybe it's the right thing to do.
0: I think I'd probably rather drink at home than in a plastic cone. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah.
4: Hey, hey don't <laughs> knock it till you try it. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs>
1: Well, do you think, Ryan? You touched a little bit upon this, but like, obviously, changes in like visa and immigration law and 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 enforcement in terms of labor practices, like, you know, how much of an effect do you think that will have, you know, going forward on on the bar industry and, and people's ability to to staff up?
2: Are you uh, so? I mean, I'm not aware of any positive changes in that yeah, direction.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm. I no, they were. They're all negative.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, i it scares the hell out of me to see these, you know, ice showing up in different random places. And I mean, it was Bend, Oregon the other day, they showed up and took a few fellows away and the, the protests stopped them for a, a brief moment. Um, I, I just it there's always little rumors that they're in San Francisco here and there. And, and when we were open, it, it scared the hell out of me because I thought this place could never run without them. Um, uh, it's, it's insane that they, 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 all, all the guys that we have pay taxes and none of them, not a single one of us gotten a dime from unemployment. I mean, it's the same way everywhere I know, but, um, I, I don't know how it's going to ever work. I don't know how it would, if, if, if it gets any more intense or more enforced in, in, in this town, it's not, just, we're going to have to think on a whole new level. I mean, I think that everything is, we're all, we're all thinking of new, the, the world may or may never be the same it was it was before. And if if um, eating and drinking may be t- four times as expensive as it once was, just because that's the way it's going to have to be, because the place can only hold half as many people, and you you know don't have as many. I mean, I don't know how we're going to find uh, yeah. people that can actually hold a knife and and actually do cut and actually salt things appro- you know season things appropriately. I just don't know.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the labor
2: it market is
0: going to be crazy.
3: <clears throat> well, Ryan touched on th- something that I thought um, that, that's kind of been already bubbling up, but this made it come to the surface completely. Is the fact that we've been subsidizing our the customer experience at the cost of our staff? Um, you know that the the cost of food and drink is not really reflected in the price. Uh, it's too cheap, right. right? And people started getting upset about $15, 16 17 $18 cocktails. And I don't know what to tell them, but that's the minimum in some cases that you really should be paying for them. And I hate to be the bearer of that news because I know it doesn't go over well. Um, but the only way that you can serve $12 cocktails anymore is, is because you're fucking someone over, you know, i um, sorry for the language, but um, I think but people have
0: being- to have to understand what exactly you're doing when you're going yeah, to a, a bar or a restaurant that, you know, the food cost is only part of it. You're renting a space. It's like almost mm-hmm. you're renting an event space or you're buying into an event space, you know, to, to, to enjoy this public thing. Uh, and, and that the fact that it's public has costs. And people uh, expect the costs to be very low, but uh, they don't expect the cost to be low when they go to a hotel for the night, you know. And uh, and, and in a, in a way, it's like a little bit of a hotel for the night, you know. You're checking into a place that's not your home.
3: And and we've been doing numbers based on the fact that we want you know like a twenty percent margin or, or or something like that, and not really looking at the fact that well. Also, this guy, this sous chef is working six days a week and they don't have health care. And, you know, and and that that's a a bad way to look at it. And we've been that's been something we've been changing over time. But this forced it completely to the surface. I mean, you just can't can't have people work like that anymore. So it's been a hard decision.
1: Also, maybe rethinking the types of drinks that we make where, you know, you know, famously you you had bartenders or barbacks you know, spending hours making, you know, elaborate syrups and tinctures and, you know, that, you know, obviously are, are wonderful things but are very labor intensive and you're using a very little eating drink, and it's, you know, is that possible anymore? You know, is it cost effective? Is it a good use of somebody's time? I, I, if, if labor costs go up, I don't think we'll be able to do those types of things anymore. Yeah,
4: I think that there are a lot there are a lot of solutions to this situation, um, but, you know, it's it's which which solution is going to make the most people happy here. Like, are we going to bring back the cover charge at all bars just to cover mm-hmm. our, you know, rent, oh, labor, yeah. come in, sit down, enjoy, and then the cocktails maybe can be a little bit cheaper. Um, I think that we all, well, a lot of us got into this industry and into making cocktails because we truly enjoy those labored practices of making syrups and yeah bidders and creating using our creativity and so if anything that's the one thing that I don't want to see disappear um and one thing you know in 2008 right before I bought my bar we were in a recession and one thing I learned is people you know I have a lot of thoughts on capitalism right now but (laughs) one thing is people people with money still have money and people with money still are spending money so you know there is a place for these higher end cocktail bars to continue mm-hmm. making pricey drinks, but it's the atmosphere. It's the ambiance that people are paying for too. So I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to think about, a lot of things to consider. Um, but also, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like most of my friends, myself, I just want to be on a rinky dink patio drinking a margarita in the sun <laughs> and I'll be happy. Yeah. I want to be <laughs> at a know? table
0: full of my friends, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or sitting at a, Bar, uh, you know, shooting the shit with a bartender and you know, trading jokes and wise cracks.
4: Yeah, and uh, <laughs>
0: that's really all I care about. You know, I don't really care what I drink. Uh, not nearly so much. So uh, as long as, uh, as as the human factor is there.
4: Yeah, you know, one thing I just did last week. I, you know, I've been like collecting booze that has been special to me for a while, and a couple of months ago, I was just like, you know what? If there's a time for me to sell all this stuff, it's now. I don't need these special rare spirits. I love them, but you know, somebody else is going to buy them and I can use that money to pay my staff or Mm -hmm. help people out that need a little bit of rent money. So we had one of our biggest Friday sales ever, (laughs) including in the before times because I sold off a bunch of, you know, rare spirits. But I think a lot of bars are going to, yeah, I certainly wasn't the first person to do that. And I think a lot of people are going to have to do things like that just to stay afloat
2: yeah we had we had lots of interest in our bottles before this all went down, and they're all up, and everyone's like uh, that I didn't expect those things to be that expensive, and I think our prices are really, really low. Um, but we're hoping that people are going to buy off some of this stuff that we've been hoarding. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, are you, do you have them posted like through your website online?
2: Yeah, it's just, yeah, all the food and all the drink and everything is all on one page. You can just scroll through it all and look through it all. We, we actually looked at um, your bar's website for some of the bottles that you had and uh, when we were doing our pricing research and trying to figure out who's charging what for what and where and stuff like that. Oh,
4: cool. Yeah.
1: Which, again, is a whole other skill set. I mean, like it's yeah. a whole other business model, whole other duties You know that you're taking on, which you know, nobody was really doing beforehand or, or in many cases you weren't allowed to do. Welcome to 2020. I guess.
4: Yeah. And to be honest, I sold a lot of these special bottles to me for less than I really, like, you know, it hurt my heart a little bit, but uh, I looked at some of the big box stores and said, all right, you know, or looked online and was like, they're going to sell it yeah. for, let's just say like a bottle of Tennessee whiskey sells at a big box store for $35. I just told my GM to list it at $2 less. Just everything, you know.
2: Right. Yeah, Yeah. just, uh, just to move yeah, Just price.
4: Yeah.
2: Price to move.
1: Thank you all for uh, for sharing with us a little bit about, you know, the challenges that you've been facing over the last six months or so. And uh, appreciate you, uh, your advice. And, you know, we hope for the best. And uh, Dave and I look forward to hopefully visiting all of you in person. At your I can't bars wait
0: to and, come back to every one of them
3: yeah we'll be there eventually
0: i'll meet you on the sidewalk and you know we'll go around the corner and uh stand six feet apart and raise
2: <laughs> the bus
3: i
0: mean i would settle for that i gotta tell you uh, just just to see you guys
1: uh, we'll bust our, <laughs> we'll bus our own tables don't worry we'll bring our own water we'll be really easy yeah uh, we'll uh we'll wear no, our I'm, masks, I'm going in but,
0: uh, yeah. full 19th century uh deep sea dri- diver.
2: <laughs>
3: I love it I love it of course you are of course you are
2: you're gonna to- maybe you're just
3: setting a whole new trend yeah, no, no you know, one it's will gonna be, be pumping like- the air behind me yeah so hopefully
1: I won't get this yeah I hope not no.
4: yeah I think I think you're gonna to have to be on a skateboard or something those things are heavy
0: <laughs> I'll just be moving very slow
1: a golf cart oh, a golf yeah. cart wearing them around bullet remind you to please drink responsibly